Welcome to the She Built This podcast, where we are sharing the stories of professionals and entrepreneurs who are on a mission to create the new norm by following their dreams and making them a reality. I'm your host, Emily Aborn, and together we are inspiring, growing, and giving you the tools you need to bring ideas to life so you can build whatever this means for you. Oh boy, did you see today's title? Are you ready for today's topic? It is going to be one part scary and one part great, which if I'm honest, I think that's how all learning is, right? Terrifying yet fantastic at the same time. I have been wanting to dive into this topic for a while now. There have been a lot of prompts and nudges for this conversation, and obviously there are so many facets that we were not able to cover in today's conversation, but here's what sort of lit the fire under my butt where I said, I need to get Aaron on the podcast and we need to have this chat. First of all, Aaron and I have connected before through podcasting and our mutual love for all things content and copywriting. We've been guests on each other's shows. Aaron is a wealth of knowledge about the art and science of writing and SEO. So when she told me she was doing an SEO course for copywriters starting this year, 2023, I hopped on that instantly. I had gotten a taste of SEO and learning about it last year and I just wanted more and I really wanted to up my game when it came to all things SEO for my own site, for my own stuff and so that I could help my clients so that they could see some real impact from the work that we were doing together. So here I am, I've just invested all this money into learning SEO, not to mention quite a bit of my time, and I'm happily over here, banging away on my keyboard, implementing away, and it's working. I love it. My clients have seen results, I'm seeing results, all is good in the neighborhood. Well, along comes ChatGPT, which has been burning away and churning away in the background. It's not like it just popped out of the sky suddenly. Not to mention Google's version, Bing's version, all signs point to the internet changing for good. Here's a little example that I heard in the New York Times, the Daily Podcast, and forgive me if I mess up the example a little bit, but basically, currently, as it stands right now, you type in sourdough bread recipe into your browser and a list of websites come pouring in for you to choose from. You can type in date night questions and romantic recipes and the same thing. With the introduction of these new tools, you can ask the AI to give you a list of date night questions to ask your spouse. You could even ask it to give you a recipe specific to the fact that they can't eat garlic and onions. Okay, that's not my spouse, that's me. I'm the weirdo in that scenario. But voila, it gives you everything you need minus that list of websites for you to go peruse on yourself. Sans list of websites means, in my mind, sans the need for SEO, sans the need for websites at all, sans the needs for my job, sans the needs for any writers, really, because if AI can just write blogs and articles and social media and emails and books, who needs people anymore, right? Who needs writers? So needless to say, the weeks I started putting all the pieces together had me in a downward spiral. I was considering, and it's not off the table, going back to get a master's in some sort of profession where I can just sit around and talk to people all day and get paid for it because surely me, the human, the reassuring, kind, warm human that I am will not be made redundant if all I do is talk, even if my fingers are of no use. But even then, I don't even know if we can really be too sure. So that's what 
started the fire and getting me uh, wanting to have this conversation. I also started seeing more and more people saying that they use ChatGPT to write blogs and content. And to me, it all just seems like a big screw you to all the creative fields and a like real slight that we are opting for productivity and frankly, lesser quality and less human connection over the people that are doing these jobs. But my personal feelings aside, The risk of copywriting work vanishing aside, there are some actual valid reasons why it is not the perfect content creation tool yet. When I shared some of these reminders recently and these thoughts on content creation and and how it's used as a tool on LinkedIn, I got a lot of answers and I got a lot more people chiming in than just me um, expressing a few concerns. Here are a few. The fact that it doesn't actually sound human yet and entirely like you. And I say yet because it's not that hard to replicate when you know how, no offense to us humans, but it's true. The fact that you don't own AI-generated content, that is a concern. The fact that we don't know the data that they're using to pull the responses and information from, consider a world in which You know, these AI tools have moral and ethical leanings one way, and everyone starts relying on that as fact, as accurate information. Um, The other concern is that it's just kind of generic, right? And we want your unique take. We want your unique perspective. And lastly, I think you just have to be careful the kind of information that you give it, like if you're handing over any sort of secure or private information, because you can be giving away trade secrets and stuff without even knowing it. So... I didn't know as much as I wanted to. I still don't know as much as I want to. I listen to a lot of um, podcasts. I read a lot of articles. But I, all of those things had me just like stuck in a five alarm panic. So I brought in Erin Alilla, the voice of reason, to have this conversation with me and talk about how it is affecting us as of now as it relates to content creation as well as for the field of copywriters. Um, so make sure to stay tuned for the hot take section at the very end because I will give you my final takeaways and thoughts after our conversation. And of course, I'm going to share a message from ChatGPT himself when asked what he wanted to contribute to this podcast episode as well. My guest, Erin Alilla, is an SEO, conversion copywriter, a podcaster, and of course, she is also a lover of ice cream, especially in non-dairy forms. When Erin's not working with brands and small businesses to marry strategy, storytelling, and SEO, you can find her hosting the Talk Copy to Me podcast or exploring southeastern Massachusetts with her family and friends. And now, as I've been known to say, without further ado, here is my chat with Erin Aluma. Hi, Erin, and welcome back to the She Built This podcast. Well, hello. Thank you for having me. It's funny talking to you in like a podcasting setting because we just so usually meet in like a classroomish setting. <laughs> yeah, I'm like I have to turn my teacher voice off and now do like the podcast voice. Yes, we need to switch gears. Yeah, so speaking to that, uh why don't you tell us a little bit in your own words who you are, what you do, but also maybe what has kind of shifted in your business since the last time you were on the show, which I think was last year, 2022. Wow. It doesn't even feel like that long, but also feels like a lifetime away at the same time. Um, Hello, everyone. If you do not know me, my name is Erin Olilla, and I am an SEO website copywriter. Um, I kind of come at website 
content and copy from the the lens of SEO best practices and conversion copywriting. Just because over the years, I found like looking at websites, looking at blog posts, any type of content we create, you know, it's great to get someone to the page. But if we're not also encouraging them to take the next step, whether that step is actually like buying something or just kind of continuing along the journey with us, what's the point of getting someone to the page, right? So I take all of my copy, whether I'm doing it as a full like done for you for my clients or copy coaching with some of the people who hire me to work alongside them from that lens. Like let's get people to the page and let's figure out how to either keep them there or encourage them to take the next best step. Uh, Changes in my business since I last talked, Nothing drastic, I would say, other than my love of podcasting has kind of led me into working with a lot of podcasters on their SEO. So slightly different from the websites in regard to um, we're taking content they already created, which is the best, right? Like if you have content you guys have already created, like use that to your benefit. Obviously, you've heard that a million times from Emily, um, but we're taking content they've already created. We are putting the SEO best practices into them so we can get people to their show notes, so we can actually get people moving and taking action and other than just listening and like waiting for the next episode to come out. It's like, let's use the podcast as an asset. Yeah, I love that. And I've been working on that with you too. So really appreciate your expertise in that. So you kind of brought me to my, I guess my first question, which is something I think that we forget, but we need to continuously come back to when it comes to creating content, when it comes to putting things on our website, writing blogs. And I think that is why we're doing it in the first place. Now, I don't think that conversion is the only thing that would make something necessarily be a success. So I kind of want to hear in your opinion, like what makes a campaign like a success? Like what are we kind of looking at to determine whether or not it is successful for us? Yeah, that's a really great question, actually, because, you know, I think the way that I describe it is the easiest way for people to understand. It's like get someone there and have them take an action. But you're completely right. Like, in a way, we actually don't want the content, all of the content we create to be encouraging people to buy or move closer to a sale because consumers are smart, right? Like maybe 15, 20 years ago when it came to marketing and sales, it would be very easy to kind of like push people direct to the sales. Think like, um, you know, people used to sell like vacuums door to door. It'd be like, you need this vacuum. And people would buy it because they thought they needed the vacuum, right? It was like forced encouragement for the sale. You know, consumers are way smarter than that. And they have way too many choices in a good way and which could be a frustrating way for them. So When I say conversion, I also want people to think it's not just converting for money, but it's also converting for X, Y, Z. And when I know that's, you know, letters, but the point of that is maybe it's encouraging them to work through our content that we create. If we have a blog campaign about a particular topic and we do that because we want our leads to be more informed before they even reach out for a discovery, Um, because we don't want discovery calls are not meant to teach people or explain things to people. They're really meant to be like fit checks. That's just one of many reasons why we would adjust like the conversion. But conversion can also be how we move people throughout the pages of our websites. You know, if someone brand new comes to your website, whether it's a blog, a, a web page, how you know, maybe someone actually directed them to click over to your site, they have a lot they need to learn from you. They need to learn that you know 
what their need is, right? Like you can acknowledge that they have a need or a desire. They need to learn why you're the right person to help them or your business is the right business to help them. And they need to kind of see like the social proof, the transformation, all of these things. So social proof in itself is even a conversion related Mm -hmm. thing that needs to happen on websites. So I know those are just a couple examples, but I would say look at conversion from the lens of the next best thing, which I feel like I'm very much quoting Frozen 2 here. But really, like, what is the next thing that we're asking of the people who view us? And we as the business owners and or whether you're going to hire someone to do this for you or you're taking the DIY approach, we have to be smart enough to think of all of the strategies. So we have to think, hmm, if someone's looking at this page and they are aware of the problem, which is a big deal. Like we have to think of the the levels of readiness and the levels of awareness. So let's say they are aware of the problem, but they are nowhere near ready to purchase. What kind of content do I need to give them? What roadmap can I send them around my website? And I could go on for like 15, 20 minutes about that in particular, which is not what this conversation is. But I think it kind of gives you a good understanding, especially where we're going to go with the conversation on the idea that, Websites are very nuanced for the business and require a lot of things, but it doesn't have to be complicated. It could be simple so long as you know like what your goals are for the website as a whole, for the business, and for the pages and posts that you have. And I think that to your point of like, I always say websites are an art and a science, right? Like it's a matter of putting together like the creativity and the personality of the person that you're doing it for. And then the science strategy piece of it. So speaking to how marketing has changed in the past 10 years and realistically, like things are moving very, very quickly. Like even since the time you and I recorded last year, major advancements have been taking place in the world of AI and like things, writing things for us. (laughs) So that's kind of what we're going to start the conversation with is how these new tools, and I I guess specifically, probably one that people are most familiar with is chat GPT or yeah, open AI. And then there's a Bing one too, but yeah. So there's some, there's some specific tools out there, but I'm kind of wondering like, as it stands now, how do you see this impacting like, let's say copywriting in general, but then also like the world of SEO, because I think that the internet is shifting as these things are coming out and being made available to people. Yeah, you are completely right. I mean, and to be on the, the clearest answer I can give you is no one knows the answer to that at this immediate time. I have re- I've been researching this since about I don't remember whether it was October or November where um, ChatGPT really kind of like popped onto the scene. Um, but I've been trying to pay very close attention to the big SEOs in the world. I love doing SEO. I definitely consider myself an SEO expert, especially as it relates to copy and content. But I always tell people, find the leading SEOs and learn from them because they are at the forefront of all of the changes. So I follow quite a few on Twitter. And I remember a big conversation came out immediately after ChatGPT of will or won't this affect SEO best practices? And regardless of what side of the fence those experts took, they all kind of came to one common thread. And I think that's still continuous now into the mid of, middle of 2023 is that it will change SEO, 
But no matter what, the best practices that we have always kind of been doing with SEO is what will benefit us later, regardless of changes, and may still influence what the changes are. Here's what I mean by that. Um, Let's say you're creating content today. You want to make sure you're using keywords. You're using similar phrasing of like, you know, maybe you're saying, maybe the keyword is um, actually going to tell you, I just did a podcast that's going to come out tomorrow and it's the legal considerations for small businesses. That's the long tail keyword I used. Well, imagine if you just say that over and over and over through the post. It's like, that's a mouthful in itself. Um, You want to be able to say things similarly. So you'd use different phrasing like what small businesses need to know legally, things like that, so that you are making sure you read for a human and not for like a bot on the Internet. So doing all of those things, writing with um, experience, writing with examples, linking out to um, sources that are qualified, linking throughout your own website, that's the best practice. If you do that now, regardless of SEO changes, which I can hint at what I think they'll be, they're going to find your content as opposed to some random content that is not following SEO best practices. Um, So in regard to SEO, what I think well, not what I think, what the experts think that the shift may be is that instead of crawling piece by piece on the internet and supplying many different answers, um, things like Bing, uh, Bing's AI tool, uh, Google's Bard, will be presenting the one answer with potential back answers. So, you know, like you say, like, what is the... um, tablespoons to cup ratio if you're cooking, right? And you ask that of like, maybe like a Google Home Assistant or your Amazon um, Echo, it will present one answer to you. Mm. It's not going to say like, would you like to scroll the page of 20 answers? That I think is going to be like that setup of asking a question and getting one answer is how we will start to see in the future, questions be answered in in the SEO lens as it pertains to the use of artificial intelligence. The only way we can combat that, the only way we can work against that is literally by creating quality content, period. Um, if, If we have really great quality content on our blogs, on our website pages, we're going to be the experts that they present to the person asking the question. If we don't, you're not going to get presented, right? Like it's kind of that um, example of let's say you rank right now in 2023, but you rank like number 99. No one's really scrolling to page 10 to find an answer these days. So it doesn't make a difference. Um, So yeah, I think that's the big SEO change. When will it change? No clue. But I think we're looking at a world where if you think about just talking to a smart device and how they present one answer to you, and you can say, well, that's not the answer I wanted. You know, give me give me more results. I think that's kind of how SEO and searching will be in the future. Seems like it's going to be more competitive than it is now. More competitive, but and while I don't necessarily feel like as expert in this lens, I hear a lot of experts not feeling negative about that, if that makes sense. So you know, Aaron, who is an expert in SEO as it relates to content and things like that, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is wild. Like the competition's crazy. But the the real true tech SEO experts, I think they're still thinking pretty positively about this. So it kind of like resets my anxiety to say like, 
the te- the real techie tech seo experts they're like doomsday people so if they see some big change coming they're like everyone this is going to change our entire lives right so and they're not doing that which makes me feel a lot more confident that i'm not going to be completely like derailed in the future okay so i think we should go through just like a couple things that i've heard people specifically use these tools for and then kind of speak to them individually so one of the things that is um that i've heard folks use chat gpt specifically for is to search for keywords they say oh i just i just use it to find a keyword that i should be using on my website or my page aaron go (laughs) because i know you'll have thoughts on this Yeah, no. I mean, that's not how it works right now. It really, truly doesn't. Um, I actually really like ChatGPT. I do. And I don't want to say that it doesn't help because if you are someone who is like completely DIYing your SEO and you have no experience at all, it is a quality tool to be able to say like, hey, I want to write you know, five articles about this subject, like what are some potential keywords I could use? Please share like long tail keywords as opposed to short tail keywords. Cool. It can get the data for you. And I think that that's a big first step if that's all you're doing. And I don't want to discourage that. But but here's the thing. We all know ChatGPT is working on like a historic data, meaning like, what was it? Everything like before 2021, like including 2020, um, or I, or could have been like before 2020. Um, and if and that's the case, like look at how much the world has changed through the pandemic in the past few years. So depending on your industry, you may get incredibly outdated search terms. Um, Let's just pretend the industry is like pandemic related, right? Like maybe scientific. If you're asking for like pandemic related keywords and they're like, oh, there's no pandemic, right? Like that's misinformation. You're not getting quality information. So you have to be intelligent enough to understand what, whether you're getting good information. Me saying it's a great first step if you don't have SEO knowledge, think about it that way. Like if you don't have SEO knowledge, how can you determine whether these keywords actually are quality? So to say that, kind of sum it up quickly, it's not horrible. Like if you are just starting out and you want some help, sure, absolutely. Like look at the keywords they give you, try to use them and see what happens. See if you start ranking for something. But it is not a smart approach. Earlier I said like, you know, what we do now will really influence how SEO changes in the future. So you want to be kind of creating the best you can get at this point. You want to be using the right phrasing. You want to be using phrasing that the people that you actually want to work with would search for. And the tool is not smart enough to understand that nuance and the strategy. It's smart enough to be able to look at a topic and break down the many different things you can say about a topic, but you need to have the lens of, you know, strategy person to determine if what's being like shot out to you is actually what you want to share. This is an interesting personal example. I I once uploaded my um, podcast transcript. It was a solo episode and I up the, uploaded the podcast transcript to ChatGPT and I said, can you pull out the five main points? Because I wanted to create the 
uh, show notes for my episode. And it was a solo. And I knew I was kind of, I wasn't all over the place. I just didn't know what my own five points were, if that makes sense, <laughs> which happens, right? We get in front of these things and we just go, go, go. Um, 100%. The five points that it pulled out for me had nothing to do with the episode. It was like, it was like, take, take walks, sleep well, uh, eat well. Like I was like, that had nothing to do with the episode. The episode was about taking responsibility and accountability for your actions. And like, I may have spoken about self-care like for one moment, <laughs> but that was what it pulled out. And so to your point of like, there does need to be a level of intelligence that is, that is interacting with this artificial intelligence in order for it to be accomplishing the goal, going back to what we were talking about at the beginning, accomplishing the goal that we want it to. So we can't just blanket, put something in and then take the result and start applying and, you know, turn it into show notes or turn it into keywords. Um, the other thing I've heard people using it for is like ideation. And so that could look anything that could look like anything from content prompts to outlines to um, tagline ideation. So I'm curious how you use it for ideation. And like, maybe we can, we can both spark some more ideas for people and also tell them like what the limitations are within that. Yeah, no, I, I think this is the, this is the heart of chat GPT in its like essence of bestness right here is using it for ideation. And, um, I can definitely give examples, but I actually want to say I think you can use it in any way for ideation. This is going to sound ridiculously silly, and I haven't actually used it in this way, but I could probably. You could use it as like, what type of furniture do I need to furnish my new house, right? So it will give you ideas. And the reason you might do that is because you might be missing something. Like, and all right, so it sounds silly for an adult, but think about it like a kid just coming out of college or like someone getting their apartment for the first time. What, what type of kitchen utensils do I need to use? in my first apartment. So as silly as that sounds, that's a great ideation tool. Does that mean ChatGPT or any other tool is going to give you the exact utensils? No, because different cultures use different um, cooking utensils. Some people do not need like specific like bread making things that it might put out there, right? But it's an easy way to kind of see how ideation works. Now, when it comes to copy content, even SEO, as I was just mentioning, we can ask the tools to any AI tool to give us output based on the input that we give the tool. Now, the smarter we make the tool in the sense of like the more information we provide, the more nuance, the more um, not nuance, maybe in a sense, but like the more specificity mm. about the nuances, we're going to get great potential outputs. Bringing it back to exactly what you just said, though, you need the human lens to then look at the output we're given and make decisions at that point about what to use. So I have used ChatGPT to do a million different ideation things for me. Um, when I first started working with a new client, well, creating content for them, uh, I had to think about like, well, what am I pitching this client, right? Because I'm I'm the one sharing ideas of, of articles that I'd like to write. So I said something to it like, hey, I would like to write these five 
blog post um and i shared the like types of blog posts that i wanted to write what would be some additional blog posts that i could share that i would be able to create seo breadcrumbs which if you're not familiar with that term it's basically just like how you like interlink things on your own website and i did that because i wanted to have like very similar articles to give the best seo boost as i could for my client now, did I use all those things? Absolutely not, because some of them just really weren't um, to the level of consumer intelligence. But here's how we can make that better. If I realize that the output that it's giving me is maybe talking to like a customer who is like um, barely ready to purchase and barely aware of the actual solution, and that's what they're giving me. But but yet my client is ex- or my excuse me, my audience is extremely aware. They're just not ready. Then I can kind of feed more information into these AI tools to say, you know, that was <laughs> I tend to be very nice to chat GPT, like Same. compliment it sometimes. But I'll be like, that was a great job. You did a great job there. However, could you please like read the prompt again and present new information that matches whatever like, you know, the intelligence level is or the readiness level is. Um, So I know I didn't specifically answer your question there and I can definitely like brainstorm some more things, but in order to not like just monopolize this conversation, I would say regardless of what you put in in regard to ideation, you can just continue to adjust the prompts to get the results you're looking for. Yeah. Agreed. Keep asking it more questions or, you know, like you, I say, thank you, but can you now do this? I thought of a, um, or sorry, I did not think of this. I heard of a really great example of someone who was dealing with, um, a little bit of turmoil in their team and they wanted to approach stakeholders with like a good format for the meeting that they were going to have around this issue. And so they used chat GPT to kind of brainstorm the different angles to take that conversation so that when they went to go meet with those higher ups, they had something already and didn't have to kind of start from from base level. And I thought that was a really cool way to do it. And I thought, you know, speaking just two conversations in general, it could help you with coming up with questions for your podcast guests or coming up with questions to ask your clients in discovery calls. So that's another factor of it is like, it can actually help you in different conversations by get, it's, it's like a I mean, it is a second brain, right? It's just about how specific you are in asking it to help you with those questions. So I love your, I loved your example and just like reminding us that we have to continuously like give it more information to get the information that we want or to get it in a in a way that it's usable. Yeah. And I would say like using what you just said, there's a few different ways. Like if we want to categorize how we're asking for help from AI, you know, one could be about things like uh, human to human interaction. So the example you just said, another thing I've seen a lot and I have a previous career in HR is how to onboard people, how to onboard a VA or a contractor, the types of questions you need to ask them to get the information that you might need. This is all great for small businesses who are just doing these things for the first time. I worked in HR for 12 years, but let me tell you, every time I've brought in a new contractor, subcontractor, VA, sometimes I look at them and I'm like, oh my, I don't know what to do right now, right? Like, and I have, look at me, like I had a career in this where I worked in many different facets of human um, resources. So 
again, that's kind of the human to human interaction. It could be things like how to prepare for a performance eval for either side of the fence, for the mm. person giving it, for the person receiving it. It could be like you mentioned, talking to clients, like what do you say in a discovery call? What do you say on a kickoff call? Like um, in both of our cases, when we meet with clients for the first time, we kind of... Um, Everyone always says like copywriters, how do you get into my brain? And it's like we just listen to you based on like quality questions. And even though I've been doing this seven years for myself almost and even longer for other people, sometimes I even need a little refresher, especially when the client is new to me or a new industry or anything like that. You know, the first time I've worked with many interior designers, and I think you have too, which is why I'm bringing this up. But the first time that like I work with an interior designer, like, yeah, I'm intelligent enough to know what they do, but I don't know like the precise things that they do. For example, one of my one of my interior designers who I absolutely adore, she does most um, mostly new build homes. So she actually does a ton of work with the architect before and like she's not looking at like um, swatches of cloth or like types of stone. She's literally helping to design the flow of the house. Like, are you a, a family with young children? Well, you're going to need like a little section for your kids to drop their backpacks at the end of the day. Like if you're building a house from scratch, you need to think about these things. That's not something that would have necessarily been in Erin's brain. I didn't know that she would have worked with the architect. Similarly, a different interior designer I've worked with does none of that. Like she is very clearly like materials interior designer. So if we ask the tool like for tips on how to get us to talk to our clients, we can learn things like these tiny little nuances within an industry. So that way we can ask pointed questions to find out these pieces of information. So again, talking to people that you work with, talking to your actual clients, talking to your audience, maybe if you're going to do like um, a webinar or any of those kind of things. So the human to human interaction is one element, but then there's the content creation part. And that's a whole different world, right? So I, I just mentioned webinar and it could be like, how do you actually like bring things up, to, especially during the like chatty phase? But what's the outline of the webinar? Mm. Because what you may not know this, but... Different marketing assets, even if they seem the same, have to be presented differently. So let's say, you know, I just shared the example of a podcast that's coming out, Legal Considerations for Small Businesses. If I do that in a blog post, maybe it looks like a listicle, let's say, and I'm presenting like 10 legal um, considerations. Well, on the podcast, I didn't I spoke with Braden Drake. He was my guest expert. We didn't just like go over like the 10 precise things. It was just more of a conversation around things like contracts, privacy policies. So there was no formulaic like listicle there. Now, let's say you're going to have a webinar in that. Again, you're not going to have like, here are the 10 things. You're also not going to have as muddied of a conversation as you would have if you were just talking with someone. So when we look at the content creation and the ideation of using AI, we have to also factor in what type of um, end result we're looking for. And that can give us different types of outlines, different types of subject matters, um, different funnel-like behavior. So not that that's the only two ways you can use AI for ideation, but for small businesses who are listening, I absolutely think like, think of it as how do, how do I use this for human, human, human to human interaction? And how do I use this for like content creation? 
um, because it could be podcasting, YouTube, written content, sales content, website content, emails that you write to your clients or to your audience. Uh, but I think those two big realms are a great place to start, especially so you don't get too overwhelmed with it. Okay. I want to um, talk about what not to use it for. Like, I know we've talked talked a little bit about how, you know, you do need to bring in your own brain power. But one thing I also heard someone say one time is that they just use chat GPT to write their social posts for them. So I want to talk about some of the issues around it, which some of it is just copy. Like we don't own what that what that creates, you know, so you there's, can't... A, there's a true legal issue with it, which I can bring up in a second, too, if you want. Yeah, I would love that. Um, the other factor is that it's not all factual information, which Aaron and I have spoken to a couple of times in this in this conversation. So let's start with those two kind of issues with just copying and pasting it as your social media posts or as your blog posts or as your entire podcast, you know, you use it for as the script for your podcast, like where the issues lie with that. Yeah. So I take a very firm stance here, at least in this year and how I see it being used. You cannot, this is, this is Aaron's advice. This is not like actually like, you know, a regulation, but like this is Aaron's regulation to the listeners. Do not use AI in any format as a finished pro uh, product, period. Like, drop the mic. There's no more need to have a new. Let's just end the episode of this. Like, do not take any of the output and consider that to be a final product. It is not for very many reasons. Do I love it for ideation? Yes. I want. I want my grandmother to use it to ideate. That's how much I think it's a great thing for ideation. She's 93, by the way. Going to be 94. Like. Absolutely. It is a wonderful tool in that way. But it is never, at least at this period of time, it is never, ever, ever, ever something that you should use as a final product. Emily just kind of like talked about some of these things before, but there are actual like very important considerations of why that is. One, you could get outdated content fed to you. So now you as the expert are, are presenting content that is outdated, which then leads it to potentially being not factual. But let's stay with the not factual part for a second, because AI is not a human. AI is looking at a, like a, a vast amount of data and trying to like sum it up or like share like the most relevant thing. So it could truly be completely a lie, like mm -hmm. completely unfactual, um, which if we then now bring us to kind of like the third bullet point is things like stats and all that. Imagine sharing something and you're like talking about like, um, you know, the, the the massive increase of diabetes in the past like 50 years, let's say, but you give like a completely unfactual um, stat in there, like not only is the post weakened because it's like outdated, but now you have completely potentially ruined how people view you as an expert because you, anything you share, you're sharing as if it's your expertise or you're at least putting that like trust within whatever stats you're sharing to say like, hey, I found this stat. It is factual, right? few years ago, I could even say like 10 years ago when I first started writing for big companies, you know, one of the biggest things that would happen within the like editing phase was fact checking because, you know, like 
if you go on the internet and you're like, hey, you know, what's the increase of diabetes in the past 10 years? And you pick the first result on Google. How do you know that's an actual factual site? So a good quality content or copywriter is a fact checker as well, which means we have to research. So is it that you, well, that maybe the diabetes isn't a good um, example here, but let's pretend it's like small businesses are doing, like how many small businesses are using ChatGPT? Well, did you just poll 20 small businesses to see if they're doing it? Because that's not a big enough like data resource, right? If you polled 20,000 and then got the results, you could absolutely use that as like a percentage or whatever. But you want to make sure that whatever data you're pulling in is correct. So that's kind of like the not factual as it comes to sharing stats and ruining your credibility. And the final consideration is true legal regulations. Um, this actually is something I learned from copywriter Brittany McBean in a conversation we were having about a future episode that I'm doing because she brought to me that if you are a course creator, anything that you're using from an AI tool cannot be copyrighted or trademarked. Now, obviously, I know, which I, I shouldn't say obviously because you may not know this, Anything that you're using AI for and you're using that end result is not your intellectual property. Drop mic again here. Like if we take that end result, that final result, you don't, it's not yours. You don't own that information. So if you're creating blog posts, books, courses, as it came into the reference of this conversation, you can't like sell like that as a copyrighted individual thing. Like you didn't create it a tool created it. So if we look at that, you know, like I, I had this conversation with someone and they were like, oh my God, I'm petrified. Like, how do I know if it's my intellectual property or not? Well, I mean, truly use it for ideation and then you create everything on your own. And if you really feel like you need to depend on it because this is not like marketing is not your strong suit, use it for ideation as an outline instead of just like, overall ideation. So just a blog post as an example, let's say you want to have the blog post about like how many small businesses are using tools like like AI tools. Well, maybe you ask it to ideate some headlines for you, ideate some talking points, and then you present all of that information and say, all right, now give me an outline, which would be like introduction, potentially talk about these things, supporting points. Here are three main supporting points. Conclusion. Great. You have an outline. Now you have to write the entire thing from yourself. Like the outline is like the highest level, I would say, of um, ways that you can still own that intellectual property of writing it without it being a co-created piece of content or, or, or a product or anything that you're you're owning. And, you know, here's one thing I wonder is I don't think we want AI generated content. Like I still think I still have faith in humanity. And I believe that we do at the end of the day want um, that human to human connection. I do think that it comes out in our content. And one thing that I wonder, and I'm not, I'm not sure of this, but one thing I wonder is as the internet changes and as more things it's going to be hard for our brains to tell like what's real and what's not real. I mean, I've even seen some AI generated images that I'm like, that looks exactly like that person. I think that we are going to be looking for that connection even more. And maybe that does 
look like, you know, connecting on social media more. Maybe that does look like connecting in this way more. Um, so that's my hope is that we are able to like keep it as that ideation tool, but not the thing that is replacing us. And that brings me to kind of my last question, (laughs) which is, do you see this as replacing writers Um, and do you think this is a two-part question and do you think it kind of is making people lazier in using their own brain power? So I know that was a two-parter, but that's okay. I actually wrote it down because I have one quick thing. May I have permission to add one thing to what you just said before answering those questions? Um, I'm kind of echoing what you say, but with an explanation, when it comes to create like the content, like humans are wanting that connection is what you said. I want people to take the lens of what we're sharing today and and kind of rewind in history, because in 2022, Google put Google, who is still like the leader of the Internet, even though Bing now has this AI adoption, which I think will change things for sure. But Google's still the boss. So Google put out one of the bigger updates in a long time, which was the helpful content update. Um, I will not go specific into like detail for everything because this is like a whole podcast episode in itself. But um, the acronym was is now like EEAT. And that is what Google is looking for. Oh, my gosh, I'm not going to be able to remember off the top of my head now what those things stand for. But one of them is authority. And, and here's where it's funny is like you might think authority is only like an outside authority, but an authority could even in Google's presence could even be your own personal experience. Because what was happening is with the introduction of AI and all of the like um, uh, like silly SEO efforts that have been done in the past decade, Google is like, listen, everyone, I'm so sick of you. Like, we are all saying the same thing over and over and over and over again. But like, where's the story here? Like, like, why is this important? Right. And that answer is your expertise, is your authoritativeness, is your story. So Again, not going to talk about this whole Google um, update, but think of the name of it and and approach content just by following the name, which is the helpful content update. How can you be helpful? How can you like create content to build that connection? Right. So that's the driver of what's happening in 2023 on the Internet, regardless of what you hear, what we've talked about as like potential changes in the future. What is driving this moment in time, which influences what we create, which then influences the future, is creating content that is actually helpful Mm. for the person who's reading it. It's not trying to like sneak them to a blog post that really talks about something else in order to make a sale. It's truly answering the questions in the most helpful way in a concise way even. So, you know, you don't go to that recipe blog and read like an entire life story before you even get to the ingredients. It just wants good content, period. So that's where I think you're right. Like a hundred percent, no matter what we say about AI, no matter what all of these little like tools and techniques are, create content that builds a connection and you're off to a better start than anyone else. But, and I promise I'm going to finish, but like the AI part of like, can you trust it? This is the big scary question, right? Like this is where Aaron goes from like the optimist to the like complete pessimist, which I am like, I don't even know how to be a pessimist. But 
AI is a very scary part of our future. I personally don't think it should have been created, like shared as it has been shared. I think AI needs to be regulated. It is um, the average citizen is not going to know how to use it correctly, which creates a huge scary part for us and how we process information. Look at the Barack Obama um, deep fake that was created years and years ago where they thought where the president, it seemed as if the president of the United States said something that they didn't, didn't even exist. It was fake. Now, that's years ago. So let's bring that into 2023. I just read an article about this mom who received a call from her daughter. It was 100% her daughter's voice, but it was AI. Someone had taken like a 15 second recording of her child, like underage child, and then rec- mm. like changed it using AI to say about how she was like, like abducted, needed money. And that's terrifying. Oh my God. And then- in a group, a Facebook group, where we were kind of having this conversation, I'm, I'm reading people talk about how like how they're going to adjust their life to meet this. And they were talking about like teaching their kids um, safe words or like a, like a question that they would only know the answer to. And like this is where, again, pessimic, pessimistic arrogant comes is like, I don't want to live in a world where I have to teach my child a word because of AI. Of course, like you we it is a scary world to raise children. And so you want to like prepare them. But I just think that like, we're not ready for that as a society. So whether if you're asking yourself, can I trust whether it's AI or not? Look at it like this. You have to look at everything you you read and consume and ask yourself that question and hear, right? And see visually. You know, like I remember when um I love Descript as a tool, but I remember when I saw Descript was like, yeah, you can insert like if you messed up the sentence during your like podcast recording, you can add those extra words in just based on using AI. Like, you know, if you forgot to like if maybe if you said something really funny and you like wanted to like fix it. I was like, what? No, that's crazy. Like, I didn't actually say that. Like, how can we do that as a tool? But we have to really be more discerning as a society because I, you know, there are, there, I feel like I sound like my mom right now, but there are bad people out there mm-hmm. in the world yeah. that will do bad things. Um, I will get off that tangent. I'm sorry. Is it going to replace writers? N- n- the true answer is no. But, 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 yes, at the same time, like, I think as writers or content creators, we don't need to be scared about this at this point in time because I've worked with many different people. Like a huge percentage of my clients are in the fortune, like of this past seven years, are in the fortune 100, some in the fortune 50, as well as solopreneurs like myself who have zero contractors, zero assistants, and zero budget. Okay. So like there's a very wide spectrum of people I've worked with. And I can say that all of my clients who have been serious about wanting to move their business forward, whether they have that like millions of dollars of budget or whether they have $20 left now after investing, they want quality help. Mm-hmm. And the quality help is the people who can bring like the strategic lens, the people who can look at the nuances of their industry, their field, their specific offer. AI can't do that. So I I think the the intelligent consumer, which would be our clients, truly wants to pay if they can afford it for a copywriter, for a content creator, for an SEO strategist. So I'm not worried. Where I say yes is that you know, there's not everyone has the same um, 
like beliefs or like like meaning like they don't believe marketing is as important as it is. They don't believe like our job is as hard as it is. I I see that all the time. I've seen that for the past like over a decade. Like nobody thinks copywriting is important until they realize all the things that go into it. Um, But I think what will happen is all those people who don't believe they'll start using AI and they'll realize copywriting is not just typing. Copywriting is research, researching our clients, researching our competitors, researching stats and data. Copywriting is testing. Copywriting is strategy. Like I spend so much less time typing anything than I do all of the other work that goes into working with my clients. So no, I don't think it's going to replace writers at all. But I think that for the people who don't value writing, um, they're not going to hire a writer. So it might appear as if it is, but it's truly not. Okay. That was a good answer because part of me was feeling like a lot of this and, and its ability to, I don't even want to say replace, but be part of so many creative fields like art <laughs> um, and writing, it seems like a big middle finger to those fields as though they are not valued. It is. Yeah. It is a middle finger, period. But like, I, I think when we look at it from the art lens, it's very easy to see why it won't replace us, right? So way back in the day, like art was like paint, like pigments, literally, not even like paint as we see paint nowadays. As that transforms, then became um, different types of things, markers, crayons, right? Moving on to the digital where like people could scan in and slightly manipulate art. Moving on to things like all the way current in the future, like Canva. And I remember when like, um, because previous to Canva, what was it? Photoshop? Am I am I saying that correct? Like, yeah. all right. So you had to, that was a skill. Like you, fo- using Photoshop, you have to learn the tool well before you can use it. But Canva is the like everybody graphic creator. Like it is like, you don't need any, not that, I mean, skill helps, but you don't need any skill to use it from the amount of templates and things built in and how easy the product is. So I remember like when I first started my business or shortly after when Canva like kind of hit the scene, everyone was like, oh my, gosh like no more graphic designers will ever be hired that never happened because people need quality graphic designers and i use canva to this day some of which with templates like for my podcast for example i hired deanna seymour to create the graphics for me i use the template she created for each and every episode at the same time i've also used some random random ass templates from canva right so it's like I'm not putting Deanna out of a job at all, but it is a a tool that I can use, which is exactly how we got to look at AI at this moment in time. Okay. But quickly, you said, um, is it making people lazy? Yeah. Yes. Sorry, (laughs) friends. You like this is making us way too lazy. Like, I remember in college, we talk about um, critical thinking, like in all of my classes, like, well, how do we think critically about this? And I truly think one of the saddest things I've seen in overall society and like, you know, consumerist worlds or like anything is the lack of critical thinking. It is something that is not, it's just kind of been like devalued over time or not encouraged as much. And I can say that even from like, I like to think I'm like a young old person, right? Because I have like old kids now, but I'm also feel like I was just in high school. But like I have a child in high school and I can see like his trajectory of learning and education. Critical thinking was not, I mean, they he has a great education, but critical thinking is not the forefront as it was for things like when I was in school. Like even in middle school, um, I remember being ch- like challenged 
on why these like science rules were actually rules, let's say. And I and I haven't seen that in my children's education as good as it's been. So it's everywhere, right? Like laziness is everywhere. And I just think that, again, we look at the tools and I say you have to like use discernment on whether it's AI or not. I also say like maybe we should use some discernment on ourselves to say like, is the shortcut worth taking? Because I know like I have failed in many things in business and I have succeeded in many, but each and every one of those decisions has taught me something Mm. huge and shortcuts don't teach you as much as the longer term thing. And even even if that longer term thing is just like thinking about it for an hour, like it doesn't have to be like a six month project, but even if it's like sitting down with a pen and paper versus a computer and jotting all your thoughts down, mind mapping, drawing lines to things. people don't do that anymore because, you know, they want the shortcuts. So I say it is an excellent tool. AI is great. There's so many incredible ways we can use it. But let's ask ourselves if we're using it in the right way. Just to wrap up and bring that point home, too, is I think that there is so much magic in the process. Like for me, that process is what it feels so good to be going through the process, getting the shower thought, getting the walking thought of inspiration about the client, you know, so whatever that looks like, there's so much more joy for me when I am like in it, (laughs) in the trenches, and then I come out on the other side. So whether that is in the creation process or in the marketing process as a whole. Um, So that's, that's sort of where I stand for now. (laughs) Um, But I just want to thank you for having this conversation with me because it's something that has obviously been on my mind a lot. And I'm just seeing people talking about it in such a flippant, almost a flippant way. And I just want to address and bring to light some of the, some of the pros, but also some of the limitations. So thank you for having this with me. And I would love to have you share how to find and connect with you online and also share what your podcast name is so that people can be sure to listen to that one right after they listen to this one. Yeah, thank you. So after you're done this whole conversation, come and find me at Talk Copy to Me. It is a copywriting and SEO podcast for small businesses. Um, We have a lot of fun over there. Emily has been my guest before, too. And I loved our conversation about repurposing content, which I hinted at before when I talked about podcasts. So if you are a business who has any type of content already created, go listen to the episode with me and Emily because there's a lot of great tips for how to do the repurposing part. Um, But besides finding my podcast, you can just put my name into the internet, which is Erin Alala. And I know a lot of people hear that and they're like, ala la 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 la, what? Um, But here's the beauty of SEO is like Google knows who I am. So you can spell my last name correctly and they'll be like, oh, you mean her? All right, let me walk you to her doorstep and bring you to my website. So Erin Alala, talk copy to me. That's all you need to know. I think I've actually, just for your benefit, tried era chinchilla and it still comes up. So (laughs) you can't, you you can't miss her, but all the links will also be in the show notes. So you especially can't miss her. Um, thank you so much, Aaron, for being my guest again, and I'll see you in an hour. (laughs) All right. Bye Emily. Bye. Yay, you stayed for my hot takes. I knew I liked you. Um, I promise I'll be as speedy as possible. I didn't introduce myself at the beginning because I didn't want to further ado, but in case you were wondering, I am a content writer, podcaster, and uh, leader founder of She Built This, and I focus on 
when I'm writing website copy, blog, social media, and welcome materials for my clients. And as Erin said, I do also work with a lot of interior designers. I work with coaches, strategists, consultants, small business owners of all kinds of industries. I've actually worked with 92 different industries. And I'm personally not a lover of ice cream per se, but I do love a good pair of Bombas socks. Thanks to mom for getting me addicted to those. I also love a hike in the woods with my dog and my husband, Jason. Speaking of hiking in the woods, recently I was out for my morning walk and I had my headphones in and a winter hat on in April because we live in New Hampshire and it took forever to get warm this year, as it does in New Hampshire. And I got a Voxer message from my friend Karen Kenny. And as I went to go Voxer her back, my very excited response about what she'd said, I was adjusting my hat a little bit to make sure that the microphone wasn't muffled so that she could actually hear me. And pop, out goes one of my AirPods. Now, I had just gotten these AirPods for my birthday last year. They were like the present I never knew I needed, and now I'm obsessed with them. I love them. So when one popped out, you know, I did not take this lightly. I searched and searched and searched and searched the vicinity that it flew out from, and I just could not find it. The leaves were like, brown and dead. So you would think that something bright white, like my AirPod, would stand out, but it did not. So anyway, I started walking home and I texted my husband and told him the news that I'd lost my AirPod. And I was actually kind of expecting him to be like really annoyed at me because I am very clumsy. (laughs) I do drop things often, but he's like, don't worry. It's all good. We can get you another pair for your birthday. Well, I didn't want another pair of the same damn thing for my birthday, which was last week, by the way, I wanted something new. Like, you know how it goes. Your birthday only comes around once a year. And I did not want it to be a Groundhog Day present wise of last year. So anyway, I'm bemoaning the situation with all of my friends. And my genius friend, Lisa Zerotny, sends me a Google article on finding missing computers and iPhones and AirPods and iPads and whatever the i things you have with that find my phone app, find my iPhone app. So I was like, all right, I'll give it a go. And I tried it. And the stupid find my phone told me that my headphones were at at my house, which one of them was in my hand. So that part was right. But the fact that they were both at my house was incorrect. And I was hoping it was going to like show me where in the woods that other one was, but it was only registering one. So I tried not to think about it and just get my work done that day. Um, And when Jason got home from work, I wrangled him out there and we went and search. We like had a search party for that missing headphone. And when I was out there, I said, you know what? I'm just going to try this find my iPhone feature like one more time. And it told me, make sure you take your headphone out because it's going to make a very loud sound. And the magic is you can actually make it so that just one of them is making that very loud sound. So I took out the one that I had, obviously put it in the case, and I just made the other one make this like extremely loud siren noise. And of course, with that, I found the missing one. It was like hidden under some leaves. I never would have found it if it had not been making that loud, loud beeping sound, I don't think because I was intentionally trying not to like disturb the leaves in that area. So thank you, technology. Thank you, find my iPhone. Honestly, 
the pain and turmoil of losing that thing, it was like almost worth it because of the sheer elation I felt when I found it. It was like a full body experience, huge celebration. In fact, I probably should have put it on like my monthly celebrations list because it was just so amazing. All of this to say, and as you can hear from my interview with Aaron, technology is not all bad. And when it's used well, it's not to be feared. It's to be used as a tool to help us. So I just wanted to wrap up this episode with my own final three things to remember about AI content creation as of right now, May 17th, 2023. That's when this episode is airing. Probably going to change next week, but May 17th, 2023. Right now, number one, you don't own the content written by ChatGPT and or any AI generated content tool, and it does get murky at best, at best, if you copy and paste it and claim that you wrote it or that it was in your webinar or in your course or in your podcast. So like, just don't, just do not. Number two, you can't be sure that what is being generated by these tools at this time is factual information as we have stated again and again and again in this episode. It does give you inaccurate information. So you have to use your critical thinking and you have to fact check things. Number three, if you do use uh, these tools, ChatGPT, I'm just using that specifically to generate ideas or create outlines or even to get you started, which I do not see any issue with at all. Please, please, for the love of all things lovely, humanize it for us. Like we want it to sound and feel like you no matter what you are creating. So when it comes to technology, I'm personally working on my own relationship with it. I tend to be a late adopter and I'm working how to adapt with these tools, but not remove myself and not make my brain lazy during the creative process. One more funny story for you. Uh, Recently, I uploaded some pictures to like an AI picture generator because it would come up with an AI headshot session for you if you gave it like 10 photos of you. Now, I also, it was just fascinating to see what the AI version of Emily would be. She's much more attractive, by the way. But they were not me. Like they were wildly not me. Some were not even my skin tone. Like they were pieces of me, elements of me, but just not me. And I was not uploading like some glamour shots here. These were like selfies taken on walks. So my my reminder here is just I, I don't want us to remove those imperfections, you know, those things that make us beautiful because we are real humans. Like, let's not remove our humanness anymore, please. And to that, like if you like this kind of conversation and it fires you up in all the right ways and you are are like, yes, Emily, I'm with you. I want to rehumanize my content and bring in my unique personality and my unique character. I want to invite you to check out my new podcast, Content with Character, which I just launched yesterday. And I will make sure that there's a link in the show notes in case you missed the announcement next week or last week, just to catch you up. It's my new cousin to this podcast, the sister podcast, whatever you want to call it, of She Built This. And it is just you and me, in a shorter form, uh, talking about marketing, content, and visibility in a way that's infused with personality, infused with character, and infused with that human uh, nature. And in conclusion, I did promise you a word from the chat GPT itself. I asked ChatGPT what it wanted you to know in this conversation about ChatGPT, and this is what it told me. 
Overall, while ChatGPT should not be viewed as a replacement for human expertise and creativity, it can be a powerful tool to streamline the writing process, improve accuracy, and generate new ideas. And when I asked ChatGPT to offer any further feelings or personal thoughts, it told me that it does not have feelings and personal thoughts. So there you go. I know it's not replacing me anytime soon because I have a lot of feelings and a lot of thoughts. I'll see you next week. To learn more about She Built This and to join our community and get involved for yourself, visit www.shebuiltthis.org.